To forget how to dig the earth and to tend the soil is to forget ourselves. Mahatma Gandhi. Hi, I'm Tamara Michelle, and we are Real Conversations Podcast, created in Dauphin, Manitoba, Canada. Today, we hail from Bed, Manitoba, where I meet up with Farmer Voth. We take a look at his homestead and learn more about his passion for farming. Thank you to our show sponsors. Banker Marketing, Dr. Brenna and Three Graces Medispa, Real Security Solutions, Right Side Equipment of Dauphin, Oil Depot of Dauphin, Roofs Furniture and Appliances of Dauphin, Try Family, Health, Beauty and Fine Gifts of the Paw, Ramsey's Health and Fitness of Dauphin, Cloud Nine Canis Supplies of Dauphin, and Hearts to Nature, Fine Art, Nature Photography. So what I'm actually looking for, it's, it's I've, I've been out here and I cut this alfalfa. Um, but there's conditioner rolls in, in the mora conditioner. And the, the point of that is to actually physically crimp the plant in several areas along the stalk the whole way down. What that allows us to do is it allows to kind of break it up and, uh, and to bend it. And what that does is that it allows it to kind of dry out. Because the plant will continue respirating. It'll kind of continue moving fluids throughout itself um, right after you cut it off, kind of similar to like a, a flowers, right? You cut them off and you throw them in a vase, and right. a vase, and then they'll still keep, uh, you know, they'll they still absorb living. moisture, and, yeah. And so, but what we want to do here is we want to speed that whole process up, as term, terms of them breaking down and drying out and all that. So we actually condition it. So we actually check to see how far our conditioner marks are away from each other, kind of determine well, are we we have enough? Do we got to put more on? Do we need to put more tension? All that stuff. Then when we come out here to uh, to actually bale it, it's a little bit tough here because it's kind of sprinkling at the moment. Um, when we want to check to see if that alfalfa or that plant, it can, you can do it with the grass or almost anything. If it's cured, you're just looking for when you go and bend it, you're kind of looking for a bit of like a, a crunch. You're looking for a bit. A little snap. Okay. And if it is, usually you're pretty close to being about right. Whereas that's it's dried out, it's ready, and it'll store in a bale. Okay. That sounds great. And this is an alfalfa crop, is that correct? Yeah, this is alfalfa with some grass in it. Okay. Because we're just outside of the what's kind of almost known as the Poverty Plains, uh, it's very sandy soil. Uh, right here, I think we're in uh, Rutledge Loamy Sand. So it's a, this is a Class G soil, which is pretty high for this area. Um, yeah, and basically, you can just see, it almost just looks like beach sand in a lot of cases. Uh, yeah, very coarse. So not, what, not the best. It's not. So what does that mean? Because you said with the molehills, that like they're very hard with all the moisture and. Yeah. So what I'm having, what we're having a lot of problems with is that, um, because if you look just how heavy the canopy is, uh, the crops very very thick. So what's happening is there's not a lot of predators in that are able to get them. So there's foxes. There's some. There's a coyote den just in the dugout bank over there. They they're kind of the control for moles and for gophers and stuff like that. They're the natural predators for them. What what's happening right now is that because we've got this great crop out here, we've got this heavy canopy. In most cases, they're not open like this. In most cases, you can't see them, and so what uh, the predators aren't able to get at them, and they're just going crazy. And so, so they're populating. Yeah, they're populating like crazy, and so I'm not. It's it's very weird for these to be so as hard as they are. Like uh, normally, it's really not a big deal that you just you'd be cutting with the hay bind, you just push right through it, and it would go through. Or it would. So what does that do to your machinery then? Uh, it wears everything out a lot faster than it should. But okay. what's happening this year is uh, because they're they're hard, but yet then they're slimy too because we've had so much rain. They're actually just they're they're plugging up right in front of the knife. And actually, so what happens is we just end up just kind of pushing it along and the plants will literally just rip right out of the ground. Ah, uh, okay. 
I see. So it's causing a lot of So plugging. it's affecting the blade because it gets kind of mucked up with all the mud at the front. It's like yeah, it, exactly. it's almost like the front of your machine becomes almost like a big backhoe or a big yeah, a big just, loader. Just like a big dozer. Yep. Wow. That's what's continuing to happen. So it's it's a very challenging year because what's happening it's standing up here. We get a lot of places we've had a lot of heavy rain and a lot of wind and so the crop is laying which was the crop, you know, a lot of this was three feet high at one point. Now it's laying down at six, eight inches high, but yet it's real well within this. So we actually have to, uh, we actually have to push the, the reel on that hay bind. We have to push it down and out. We have to pick up lower than the level we're cutting, but yet we still have to cut high enough that we don't get too messed up with all of these molehills. And some of these molehills are how high? Uh, like a <laughs> I, foot? I've, I've seen some. Or it might have been a, a couple of gopher mounds too, a couple of them, but they're like, they're getting to be, uh, they're pushing eight inches high. Oh, okay. So not oh, yeah. far off from a foot. Makes yeah. a big difference. So, and then when we look at like how high we're cutting just in that chunk over there, just right behind us, which is very low because there's really nothing out there. Um, it's quite different. So yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a challenging year for the machinery, just the, the volume, the moisture, everything. It's, it's a very different... I haven't seen conditions quite like this before. Not this, especially not in this combination. How we're doing some of this, we've got this creek running through here and there's all these different ponds that uh, kind of go as it weaves and it works its way through here. Um, the thing about having this in, in, in a perennial forage is that we've got all this, uh, we've got all this economic, <laughs> environmental, <laughs> not diversity. You know, there's, we've got, there's birds, there's frogs, there's ducks. There's all sorts of everything. There's some geese flew by here just a moment ago. There's all this other stuff going on. Um, we wouldn't normally see that kind of thing if all we were doing was just seeding right up to the edge of it, if we were spraying it constantly and all that stuff because that ecosystem just cannot stand up in the same way to those to those types of pressures from, from herbicides, insecticides, and, and that kind of thing. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with, with, with modern farming practices in that regard, but just it's, it's hard to have and to integrate these wetlands and this kind of thing into those types of situations. Whereas just because of the lay of the land here and, and being in perennial forage, I, I really can actually help and, and do an awful lot with that. And do you find like having this little section of land, you might lose a little bit of, say, finances because you've farmed a little farther back, but you find it rewarding? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's uh, it's. It can be a challenge. Years like this year, I have a little, there's a nice little uh, spot over there where I cross normally with it. So I can just go back and forth. Whereas right now, I either have to go around the north road or around back down to the highway and come across. But just because just to simply get over there is just, is can just be a headache. Um, but in terms of financial loss otherwise, not really, because a lot of years this is all dry. So I will get down in there and I can, I can haste some of that. I can clean it up uh, late in the season without actually hurting anything and that and then you know we get then we get these wetter years again and it's back full and you were saying that you don't normally have reeds this high this is just a very abnormally wet year yeah, absolutely it is so every everything has just gone crazy we normally only get like six inches of rain here we're over 10 already okay and, so, and we're still far from the season being we're over still far from there it's still kind of trying to rain today even though there's not there's no heat there's nothing going on yeah. it's still trying to so huh yeah, no, it's uh, this is quite a phenomenal year, to say the least. Here we go. Welcome to Real Conversation. I'm Tamara Michelle, and I'm here with, you know what's funny? Is it Mark Marty Vaughn? It's Mark.
Marty Vaughn. Okay, yep. I, you know, it's not like, Martin. It's not anything else. Okay, I'm glad I'm asking because uh, I've only got you from your Facebook name. So. Oh, uh, Farmer Vaughn. Yeah. Farmer Vaughn. Yes. Yeah. So I kind of put two and two together. <laughs> <laughs> so I was invited out here today, or I might have invited myself. I'm not even sure on that one. Ah, uh, no, it's good. That's good. <laughs> we connected on Facebook, uh, and. I'm out here close to Melita. Do you want to explain exactly where we are? Uh, we are 12 miles northeast of Melita, Manitoba. Okay. Uh, basically right on the south edge of the Oak Lake Aquifer. Uh, just east of what was known, or what is known, commonly known as the Poverty Plains. Okay, and you said the Poverty Plains men are from out here. Yeah, they, uh, uh, Mark Smith and those guys, they grew up uh, Tilston, Manitoba, which is roughly about... 17 miles straight west of here. Okay. Actually, on this very highway right here, 345. So. Okay. Yeah. And we are currently in a 1981? Yeah, 1981 John, John Deere 4240. Uh, pulling a uh, 568 John Deere round baler out here in the field, uh, just wrapping up some hay right now. <laughs> so, this is something new for us, something I've never done. Uh, definitely not been in a piece of equipment like this. <laughs> I have to say. And oh my gosh, your dog is chasing deer. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, that is wild. Yeah, she'll, uh, she'll catch them too. And oh my goodness. <laughs> Sorry, there's lots of excitement. <laughs> lots going on. Oh, wow. We're an old So, um, Marty, tell me a little bit about yourself. So, we've been talking a little bit today and discussing well, all sorts of things. Um, yeah. I want to know a little bit about sort of your background. Can you tell me? I guess a little bit about your portfolio. What is it that you've done? I know you're 37, you said. Yep. Um, talk, talk to me a little bit about some of the things you've done. Uh, you know, I've been pretty blessed. I've had the opportunity to do a lot of really cool different things in my life. Now, I, uh, I'm i originally from Melita, Manitoba, kind of born and raised. Uh, a bit of a transplant to Dauphin, finished some high school up there, uh, spent some years up there as well. Um, but yeah, I've... Uh, I'm an egg guy. I'm a farmer. I, I grew up that. I basically grew up in uh, riding in a tractor, pretty much the same as this, sitting right about there, uh, being <laughs> one, like being one year old right? back in 1985, which was the best year of harvesting ever, if you ask your uh, older dad or grandpa. Okay. Um, Hunting around the field, pulling an old combine, uh, taking off. I forget how good the wheat was out here. It was really good. So I kind of never really stood a chance. I've always been a farmer. It's okay. kind of agriculture's always been my thing. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, took, you know, uh, went to U of M, University of Manitoba, took agriculture there, uh, I've been down south, I've done the harvest run with MacDon, from Dallas, Texas, to Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, and every little town in between, uh, yeah. For those that don't know, all the farmers will know who that is. Yeah. Um, that's basically a, a parts. Uh, farm equipment manufacturer based out of Winnipeg. They make uh, mostly, they're most known for their flex headers and uh, their swathers. Okay. Uh, they also make some cane cutters and some different things like that as well. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, they basically, the custom wheat harvest run, they go down, they take a semi trailer down and load up a bunch of trucks and. Uh, yeah, basically they're driving around supporting their customers uh, as, as they take the wheat harvest off. Oh, that's really cool. So yeah, it starts uh, usually early May down in uh, down kind of northern Texas. And, yeah, they we followed it all the way up through uh, through to Montana, uh, and then yeah, got to try some some stuff up here in Canada as well. So it's pretty cool. It's, uh, it's kind of a unique opportunity. I've uh, done a whole bunch of other different things. Uh, did some research. Worked through some various different companies here and there. Um, 
and spent about six years with Myers Norris Penny, uh, the accounting firm doing firm management consulting. Part of that group there, and then I also did some insurance and some compilations and stuff like that. So uh, that was really cool. I fantastic company, and uh, I learned an awful lot there. I'm, I'm a spreadsheet junkie to this day because of it. I, yeah. That's me in the winter. I've got mad spreadsheets doing all sorts of different things. Um, yeah, since then I've done a, a bunch of different things. Uh, I've been a bank lender. I spent about a year working with TD Bank and Brandon, uh, doing a commercial lender. Uh, kind of fast forward more recently, uh, went through and became a, an egg mechanic. Uh, yeah, so I was working actually up the off on the right side. You know, shout out to those guys. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just moved back far, back home here recently, back to the lit area where I, I farm and where I have been farming for a number of years. Um, I had the opportunity to take on some more land and uh, yeah, kind of just jumped on it. That's awesome. So, um, here, so right now we are baling grassland, right? Yeah, we're baling, yeah, basically some grass, some grass hay here right now, quite slowly. Um, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically I've been, I used to have cows. I grew up in the Manitoba Junior Charlotte Association and uh, Manitoba Forage Beef programs. Uh, I used to show a lot of cattle and, and do all that, and I used to have 50 head of cattle uh, going back to uh, fall of 14, I actually, I, I sold them. Um, after that, I was kind of looking for something to do. It's like, well, what am I going to do? I have this half section of land and I could rent it out. But uh, it turns out a friend of mine had bought some bought some land from a guy and he had his equipment for sale. And I ended up buying this equipment and I've been hanging this land ever since. Okay. Uh, it started out, it was all just grass. I've kind of slowly incorporated uh, alfalfa into now about 200 to 300 acres here. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've been making hay basically on my weekends, my evenings, and whatever holidays I can scoop from work, pretty much. And yep. uh, this is pretty much where you'll find me, is just sitting in this tractor cab going up and down all the time. Okay. Uh, I've talked to lots of farmers about farm work, specifically time in the tractor. Do you find it really great thinking time for you? Oh, absolutely. If, if I want to clear my brain, this is when I solve my problems. I'm going up and down, everything's going fine. Uh, we're not in too adverse conditions here right at the moment. And so, yeah, it's, that, that's when I get my time to just sit down and reflect. Uh, I've gotten away from radio and all that other stuff. I, I just like to quiet, just sit here, listen to the machine, and just think about everything that's going on. And, and, and there's no shortage of things to, to think about, obviously, yeah, in the sure. last while. So. Yeah. Um, and then we had a really cool conversation about... Uh, it's not this field, but it's actually the farm field adjacent to us with the alfalfa. And can you, I, I wanted to tell, I want you to tell the story about what you had decided to do to seed it. Okay, so basically after I sold my cows, I knew I wanted to start putting, and I decided that I would maybe start painting, and I had the opportunity to buy this equipment. I decided I needed, in this type of land, now we're up here, this is a Rutledge, loamy sand, Class G land, it's quite, it's quite coarse, and uh, it's not exactly ideal for field crops. Although it does grow field crops, it's pretty much we're surrounded by that now. Uh, but at that time, this was all pasture land, and so what I decided I was going to do was I was going to seed some alfalfa in here because we're actually quite into the Oak Lake Aquifer here. So you go down, there's uh, pockets, of, there's pockets of water. It's like an ice cube tray effect the way this aquifer works. So basically, I was thinking about it, and it's, 
I, I wanted to put alfalfa in. I wanted something taproot that could go down and utilize that moisture and utilize what, what we actually have here. Because we can, our average rainfall here is only give or take six inches okay. a year. It's not very high. This isn't super high for uh, fertility soil. And back when I started, when I took, when I bought this land in 09, it was, it had, it was like, some of this was 0.9, some of it was point or 1.1% soil organic matter. So it was really just chewed out nasty pasture. And I wanted to do something that not only I could make some money at, because let's face it, we all got to make money, yeah. um, but that I could also use to improve the soil, improve the soil health, and, uh, and you know, best utilize that. So I wanted to see alfalfa. But at that time, I didn't have a seed smell. I didn't have a whole lot of stuff. I had a couple of tractors and some hay equipment. So basically what I did after talking to some of my friends that are into regenerative agriculture and, and some of the other just oddball things like that, um, they, we decided, I decided that I would, uh, I'd come out, I'd get, I'd uh, rent the Valmar spreader, the local egg input center, and what I did, I brought, went out and I put my fertilizer, my seed on, and I broadcast it over all of it. This is top. Just yeah, just, just right on the surface, and uh, I think it was the beginning of May. And then I came out, and I went, and I went, and I got a bunch of twine wire posts and some uh, electric fencer and a bunch of stuff. And I cross fenced that that chunk. It was only 50 acres, uh, but I cross fenced it in three different paddocks. The reason I went and I did all that was because it, that allowed me to uh, that allowed me to. Uh, Get some. I got some cattle. A friend of mine brought me some uh, heifers, and I got them to come in, chew off the grass. And what they did is, while they were doing that, they also trampled that seed, that fertilizer down to the ground, um, which is a very unconventional way of doing it. But it's it's not something that that is new. That has been done before. There are old timers that have done that before and talked about that. Okay. But the key was is that this was the spring of 2015. It was wet here. Um, where we started off our interview over here would have been under the water. That's how wet it was here. Okay. And so, because it was so wet in these conditions, it actually, that stand of alfalfa caught, and it's still, to this day, of all the stand, of all the stuff I have, is still the best stand. It's the oldest, and it's still the best. And it just receives itself every year, or I guess it's tap-rooted, so, you said? Yeah, uh, alfalfa is uh, uh, a perennial. Okay. And so what happens is it just... It grows to the root okay. every single year. So wow. the, the, the basic of it is that you just have to manage it. You have to manage uh, perennial crops in order to make sure that they have the root reserves and everything going back in the winter. Okay. And you do fertilize a little bit once in a while? Yeah, I do. Okay. It, it does get fertilizer every year. I soil test it. It gets fertilizer. All that okay. stuff does happen. Okay. Um, I keep the fertility program up. The interesting point about all that is now, so now it's 2022, I believe, yeah, and uh, I have gone from that chewed out pasture that had one point, you know, around 1% soil organic matter, I'm now up to 2.5% across these fields. So I've seen a huge improvement. So what, what that has, what that means is that at the end of the day, not only am I I'm growing a crop, but I'm also improving the soil. I'm putting I'm putting nutrients back in, but I'm also all those micronutrients and all that stuff that's been tied up in that soil for years is starting to become more available now. So what we're seeing is that the yields are the yields have been increasing as long as we've been getting grain. But even just the grass variety and everything that, that's coming has changed. Because I'll, everything I, I have out here that's, that I've seen alfalfa in, I have put no grass. It's like straight alfalfa. But the, 
grass comes in naturally. But what I'm finding is that the grasses are coming in and they're, they're, uh, the ones that are, those native, those native varieties that have been suppressed and that were overgrazed by cattle under, even under a rotational grazing system that this was under, um, they're, they're coming back and, yeah, and they're thriving and it's really cool to see. Because the whole, the whole, the whole ecosystem out here has changed dramatically since, since I, I since there was last even an animal out here. Oh, wow, that's incredible. And so um, these bales that we're producing then, and, and whether it's uh, the hay field here, which is just the grasses, yep. or your mix of alfalfa and grass, mm-hmm. uh, who do you sell that to? Where does that go? So I, I sell it locally to the cattle producers primarily. Um, some of the grass hay fields that I have that are pure grass and are very clean, uh, even a few guys just buy it for their horses even locally. Um, yeah, so most of it, most of it goes fairly locally. I, I'm pretty lucky. I've got some pretty great customers. Um, a couple of them, they're just within a few miles here. And literally, when they're when they're not busy in the summer, they'll come hop in a tractor cab and they'll come break ahead of me. Or <laughs> there's been times I've had to go back to work and they'll uh, they'll stay and they'll they'll uh, they'll cut hay for me or something like that. You know, if something goes wrong, they just shut it off, walk away. That's fine. Sorry, we're just gonna. position being 
younger-ish, I guess. <laughs> um, but yet not just getting the keys and, you know, daddy's keys and daddy's equipment, having to do this from literally scratch almost. Yeah. Um, there's no other way to do it. I wouldn't be able to do it uh, without being able to work with other people, without sometimes the help and the support of others, yeah. you know, and then turning around and, and doing that because, you know, you are your name, you are your reputation. And if, if you can't be good for that, that that's, well, you know, like it's everywhere very quickly. Yes. And so that's that's what I find the big thing is it's it, it comes down to it. It's a song lyric, and so you'll laugh. It's cliche, but it, it comes down to this, and this is this one's always stuck with me. And it, it goes, it's about you and who you are. It's all a state of mind, and you, you may recognize the song, but the, the basis of it is, is that, that that's really all we have. You know, we can we can go out there and we can tell everybody this and that, but you know, if you really if you have to build something, if you've got to start from something, you can't do it without other people. No, there, there's no business, there's no industry that you can do that. No. Um, we're very few if there are, yeah. and and so that that's kind of the key of it. If you want to, if you want to do that, you want to get somewhere. You're going to always be reliant on others. Yeah. And uh, so you, it's, it's basically a necessity. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of a lot of our ancestors and stuff it was, but now in the egg industry. I, I'm not sure how much of it goes on. I think it, in places I know, a lot of it does. In others, not so much. So, yeah. oh. but uh, if it's going to happen anywhere, it'll be in the egg industry. Yeah, <laughs> I can promise you that. Yeah, for sure. Well, Marty, thank you so much for having me here today. Um, lots of information to kind of absorb and <laughs> well, and some sort and file. Yeah. No, but but you know, and, and interesting too because it's it's very cool. and this is what you want to do and all the skills that you have collected, all the schooling, all the education, all the things that you've done up to your age, which is quite young, you know, to have accomplished all those things. Um, I think it's really cool that you have that vision and that purpose and that uh, the values are there, the old school, the old school values. So um, I hope to be uh, back here again and we'll be probably doing something else and I'll be learning something new. There's, there's always lots going on around here. It's coming any time. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Marty. Dr. Brenna and Three Graces Medispa has been inspiring love, confidence, and health and humanity since 2019. Dr. Brenna's skin therapists have the advanced knowledge required to revitalize and rejuvenate your skin. Radio frequency, micro needles, chemical peels, and oxygen neo superfacials are just a couple of the treatments we offer. To learn more about Dr. Brenna and Three Graces Medispa, visit our website at threegraces.ca or call us at 204-572-5774 for a free consultation. Thank you to our show sponsors, Bankert Marketing, Dr. Brenna and Three Graces Medispa, Real Security Solutions, Right Side Equipment of Dauphin, Oil Depot of Dauphin, Roofs Furniture and Appliances of Dauphin, Try Family, Health, Beauty and Fine Gifts of the Paw, Ramsey's Health and Fitness of Dauphin, Cloud Nine Canis Supplies of Dauphin, and Hearts to Nature, Fine Art, Nature Photography. See you next week.